From the Saddle. Produced by Caitlin Hewitt and Joseph Maloney. Owned and operated by Hewitt Consulting and Communications. All rights reserved. From the Saddle is brought to you by Hewitt Consulting and Communications. Specialising in rural business and marketing design. Find them on Facebook and Instagram. This afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, my guest is Karen Howard. And to anyone who's been involved in the horse industry in central Queensland, Karen is well known amongst all forms of horse industry in central Queensland. She has trained many children and many adults to ride horses and ride them correctly. How are you, Karen? I'm very well, thanks, Kay. That's good. Your dad was an amazing horseman in all forms of horse riding. He was a renowned pickup man in the rodeo world, was a beautiful camp drafter to watch, rode in the show ring when he needed to to do the jobs, and um, I'm assuming he was the one who was responsible for teaching you to ride. Where and when did all of that start? Well, um, yeah, I guess it was our lifestyle which started it. My earliest memory with Dad and riding was um, he used to get up really early in the morning and go riding and I'd want to know where he was going and he would say, I'm going to see the man in the moon. <laughs> and at a time, and I would always look at the moon and look for the man, but I think it was just the, the want, you know, that uh, I can remember getting chucked on horses and we rode and, we had a job to do. Dad was just such a big, big personality. Yep. Do you know, everything that he did, I just wanted to do. You know, I was in awe of everything that he did. And Plus the fact, when I started riding, like all kids, we rode because we had to, but I loved, oh, I loved the challenge, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I'll, I'll admit I loved riding more than I loved the horse to start with. Um, you know, it was playing cowboys and Indians and mustering and show jumping and, you know, we all started off in show jumping and things like that, pony clubs, sports days. And it was always the challenge, the competition, the, you know, you wanted to get better and Dad used to teach us and everything and it wasn't until I got older that I realised that Dad could teach us because... He loved the horse and he could read the horse and he could understand the horse. So then when I started working horses and breaking in horses and things like that, then I began to love the horse and then it all fell together, if you can understand that. And I learned to love the horse of what I could get out of it and the more I respected that horse, the more I could get out of that horse, basically. I've interviewed lots of people and I've watched lots of people with horses and Lots of people claim to love horses, but I don't think I know or watch anyone whose love for a horse is as genuine as yours. You know, I've watched you and seen you draft and I've seen you teach kids and I've seen you do it all. And I've never seen you raise your voice, a hand, a rein or anything at a horse. You know, I've seen lots of people who claim to be horse people and they love horses and they drop a beast at the gate at a camp draft and you watch them ride away and they only ride away where they think they're out of people's eye and, you know, they're the first to lace the reins around the horse's belly because they drop the beast. Mm -hmm. You just have an innate love for the animal and I do think that is probably what 
puts you above most people when it comes to trying to teach people to ride. What do you look for in a horse that makes you gain that respect and that love for that animal? Usually it's the other way around. Everyone wants the horse to respect them and the horse to love them, not in the opposite. And, I mean, it comes across from you that, you know, you look for the opposite to what the average person does. A lot of people demand respect um, and demand a lot out of horses. And, you know, if we were to do that with people, it wouldn't work. You get people's backs up, and it's no different with horses. It's a two-way street. You have to get to know Every horse is different, and I, I watch a lot of people with horses, and they'll get on a horse, and and they'll ride every horse exactly the same. Every horse is different. There will be a little button. There'll be some little thing, um, like children. If you're firm with one, then sometimes that kid comes out, and it blooms, and it's really good. And others, if you're firm with them, they sink back into themselves and lose confidence. So when I'm dealing with horses, I treat them all as individuals. I take the time to get to know the horse and I don't want to steal their personality. I want to enhance that personality because I can learn from them and then we can work as a team, you know what I mean? Like we come as one and, and I mean, you've got to be firm and you've got to pull them into gear, but you have to do it at the right time. There's, it's only a split second and, you know, sometimes those horses... I've worked that horse up to go into the camp, like you were talking about a beast or something or cutting or a jump or anything like that. They've drilled that horse. Maybe they haven't conditioned it properly. They've worked it two days before because they've been in a hurry. Now, that horse has got aches and pains and sore joints. It's just not conditioned that they'll go in there and they'll expect that horse to work. Like, we have bad days. Wake up with a headache. I've got a sore back. Something's wrong. We take a day off work. (laughs) But our horse can't tell us that. (laughs) So we have to to be kind enough and we have to be in touch enough with our animals to be able to pick that up. And and if you get to know your horses, you'll know that, okay, that one's pulling my leg a little bit. But no, that one's really genuine. It's hurting somewhere. You know, it's just reading. Reading a horse is like if you love it and you have a passion for it, it's like reading a book. It just comes. How much time do you spend, you know, is there a process that you go through? Do you have some boxes that you tick? There is. The first week for me is, and I always stipulate this with people because I don't rush things. You can't make something that happen that's not ready to happen or not going to happen. Mm. So you imagine I take a week at least on the ground and that horse has been dropped off. Nine times out of ten, they've been born and bred on their home property and they might have got chucked hay over the fence and people say, oh, they're quiet. They've never actually caught them, but they've chucked hay over the fence. <laughs> um, now, that horse is then chucked onto a truck or a trailer or whatever and it's dropped off at a strange place, <laughs> like away from all, all its friends, everything it knows. So the first two days pretty much is introduction. For me, they don't know me. They've got to get to know me. They've got to know that I'm going to be kind, but I'm not going to be a pushover. Mm. And then I've also got to work their personality out and say, well, okay, this one's going to try me or uh, this one's a bit timid. No, this one, if I get up this one, well, it's going to hate me for life. So you've got to figure it all out. Like, And I can't say, like, some owners, oh, this horse doesn't like me. I've... <laughs> 
get rid of it, get another one. <laughs> you know, I've got a job to do, so my job to me is very important. I'm trying to work that horse out so that when it goes home, I know every little thing about that horse that I can tell the owners. I can say, look, if you give it an inch, it's going to take a mile, or no, this one's really timid. If you kick it in the guts, you'll hear about it for a week. You know, like my job is not complete until I know everything there is to know about that horse to pass on to the owner. And I always encourage the owners that when they get them home, it's taken me, you know, between five and eight weeks with that horse to get to know that horse. I always try and stipulate to these people when they go home, don't just jump on this horse and expect it to do what I've been doing with it because we're different. We ride different. We have different personalities. So you've got to give that horse time to get to know you again as well. And, and I guess it's very deep and passionate for me and it's... Um, it's pride. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you want to turn out a good article. It wouldn't take it on unless I knew I could finish the job. Yep. Oh, there's the tough ones, Kay. There's the tough ones. <laughs> yeah. So do you think there's anything in breeding? Like if you get a horse that, you know, comes from a certain, you know, line of breed, do you go, you know, I'm going to have to be on my mettle because this one, every one of these horses I've had, they buck, or every one of these horses I've had, they shy, or... I... I'm going to go out and limb and say 90% of the time it's not the horse because I'm a firm believer, like, if people got to know their horse, okay, I don't like using names or anything, but say, say for example, a cadet horse. Yep. Most people know a cadet horse is in stock horses. People say, oh, that that cadet bugger, you know, they're no good, they're snorty, blah, blah, blah. Now, if you know that, then you proceed with caution. Yeah. And you, you know, okay, this, this horse has got this in its breeding. Now, they're not very forgiving if you, if you get into them, but if you're kind to them, you'll get good results out of them. Yeah. I'm, I'm a really big believer, okay, I don't go on breeds. Um, I go on the confirmation of the horse. If a horse is built right, I don't care if it's an Arab or a thoroughbred or a cob or whatever. If its confirmation is correct and it has a good mind and the only one that puts the mind on the horse to me is the person. Yep. And having said that, it might be out of a mare and they say, oh, that mare was a rat. And I say, well, why breed from the mare? (laughs) But also, that mare obviously was turned into a rat somewhere along the line through um, not getting handled, not getting attention. You know, I'm probably. I know there's people going to say, "Hey, bullshit!" There's, there's, <laughs> there's mums of horses, and there's horses that you can't deal with. I spent four weeks on a horse not long ago that just wanted to jam, look back at me all the time. I spent so much ground time with him. He was a big horse. He used to try and stand over the top of me, and I had people saying, "Oh, you mad? You know, you shouldn't be riding. You shouldn't." And I said, "He'll come around. He'll come around." And it took me four weeks, you know, like once I got on him and that. I didn't get out of a walk or a trot for two weeks because there was no point in me advancing to a trot if that horse's ears were pinned back looking at me the whole time because that just indicated to me he had no confidence in me. He was worried about me. If I was to push him, the first thing he's going to do is drop out because he's not ready to trot. And then he's going to be classed as a buck jumper because he dropped out. But it wasn't his fault. I pushed him before he was ready to go any further. And, it, and eventually, we did 
two weeks where I walked and bum trotted and did all the all the steady stuff and I progressed. And then he just got really confident. And then as soon as he got confident, I got confident. And then we just we just meshed and then that horse, you know, there's a young girl riding him now and loves him to death. He does doesn't do a thing wrong. But he just was not ready and comes back to being able to read that horse again and you know, as well as I do, people just get on a horse, jump on it, hit it in the guts and say, right, let's go and do this. Mm. So, Karen, your other love and something that you're so well respected for, certainly in, in CQ, is your ability to teach kids to ride. And that goes from teaching little kids who are learning to ride right through to correcting or teaching older people to ride. That must give you a great amount of pleasure. Where did that pleasure start? I was lucky. I was at a bit of a rough spot in my life and people asked me for lessons. And I was like, oh, yeah, blind leading the blind at this <laughs> stage. But I thought, no, I can I can do this. And it was it's something that I needed to do for myself. I was, I was in a little tough spot yep. and I needed to slip out. So I thought, no, I'll do this. And I pushed myself. And once again, it was a confidence thing, you know, like I was a bit shattered and I thought I didn't have any confidence. And I started teaching kids to ride when I lived at Bouldercombe, actually, and then I got into it and I started having fun days for the riding for the disabled in Northampton. And every, I don't know, two or three times a year, we'd have a day at my place and we'd have the riding for the disabled. Kids would come out for half a day. And it was just watching, uh, watching the joy, watching, uh, I don't know, it just melted you, you know, like to see those kids' faces, to get on that horse and then the smiles and the beams. And and what really got me was they didn't care about winning, losing, nothing. It was just the fact that you were helping them do something. And then that's how it became that I started um, taking in kids and then, because I had kids, so I was on the, <laughs> on um, home duties for a little bit, but then my kids started and because we went through Pony Club and then my kids started riding and I still started teaching kids and then as my kids got older and it became more important to me because there was so much competition, everything was a competition, competition, competition and just sitting on the sidelines, I could see so many kids, ladies, Getting left behind or lacking that confidence to have a go, thinking they couldn't do it. And I needed somehow to touch these people to say that it didn't matter. You could still have fun, you know. Yep. You're just as good as the next person. And so we started doing that. We just started doing lessons and I had a group of ladies here at Dingo used to come in and we'd ride and I said, come on, let's go to this show come on, let's go to that show and, and we'd have six or seven of us pack up and we'd go in every event we could, drink a few scotches at lunchtime and then go in a few more events. But you know what? Every time someone went, everyone would cheer and clap and that to me was everything. Yep. And then that's, that's when I realised that for me to be able to give to someone and give them that little bit of hope, that little bit of joy, that's what life was about for me. And, you know, and, and that give came back to my horse breaking too, if you can understand that. It all ties in. Yeah, it does. 
you know, I'm I'm breaking in for ladies that have got horses and they want to be able to ride these horses. So it's all the same. It's all tied in. But just the, the joy in pressing on to people that winning is nothing. That's just an added bonus if you happen to. That's right. That's not what you do it for. Liking yourself was more important, you know, liking what you do and doing it for you. You've got three kids and they can all ride beautifully and Ben, one of your sons, is, um, is has his own horse-breaking business now and, and is beautiful to watch to ride. He just has a beautiful seat. I guess you were part of teaching him to ride. I mean, when you look at him, he just looks like a natural. <laughs> he is a natural, yeah. That's probably bred into him, I guess, as, as much as anything, but that must give you a great feeling of, of pride and satisfaction to see those three kids ride so well and now your gorgeous grandkids all having a go and being taught by you. When you're teaching, do you come across anywhere you go, this kid's just never going to ride horses? They just don't gel? Or do you think they're riding horses because their parents want to ride horses, they don't really want to ride the horse? Or do you think you can make most people enjoy it? Oh, I don't think you can make anyone do anything they don't want to do. I have come across some of those children that, um, you know, they ride at the time because mum and dad want them to ride. I think it makes mum and dad feel good that they've bought a pony in a saddle and chucked a kid on it. <laughs> feel like that they've done, exactly. done a good job, you know what I mean? And I'm a bit of a kid at heart and when we talk, we play games, we muck around. And some of those kids, you get them away from mum and dad and, and all of a sudden, oh, don't I have to do that? I said, no, you just ride. You just you just ride how you want to ride. Like, you can't get a six-year-old kid and say, put your legs on here and do this, do that. They don't even have legs, you know, that are long enough to do anything. Mm. Um, hence, mum and dad ride a year butte trained pony, and then in three months' time when it's wrecked, the horse was no good, yeah. you know, because they had no idea. But... I've come across some kids that are really, really good riders, but you can't teach them anything because they're they're not in the right headspace, and that's what it comes down to. Some of them, they've got this U-Butte horse, they've won everything. Mum and Dad have had them on the back and said, yeah, you do a good job, and they do. But they are like, remember I said at the start, I like riding horses? Yep. When I first started, I, I liked to ride the horse. I didn't get to know the horse, and, and sometimes... That's something that has to come. Yeah. Because you can be the best rider in the world. That doesn't make you the best horseman in the world. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> Two different things. You know what I mean? I see some people that are absolute beautiful horse riders, beautiful seats, beautiful everything, but they don't read that horse. They've got no intention of reading that horse. They don't want to read that horse. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you an example, and my kids will probably hate me for this. <laughs> I mean, when we started out with my kids, and, and Ben, i got to say, Ben always got the shit pretty much. <laughs> but my kids, rode, my kids rode what I could afford to buy for them. Yep. And it wasn't much. And sometimes it was what I broke in and they were on them and they'd always whinge because I'd always drum into them, slow and proper, slow and proper. And Ben was a rev head. He always wanted to go. His hands were over the horse's ears. He was like, I want to go, you know. <laughs> And to, to, to the extreme, with one point we're pulled up in a Scudderhoe Pony Club and he's running to underneath the horse's neck instead of on top of the horse's neck. He was keen to go. <laughs> and then, of course, we had Wade who was on one of Dad's 
big old horses, old rattles, and he used to draft him and pick up on him and jump him and do everything with him. And he was like 19 year old when Wade got him, and Wade was six. And this old horse used to just neck rain through everything. So Wade got all these trophies. You know, he was a cocky little bit. <laughs> he got all the trophies for under sixes and under tens because he just won everything because he had this best horse. And Becky, we used to call her the show pony. <laughs> Beck had to have that horse. She didn't like to ride at home much. She didn't. They all did because they didn't go anywhere unless they rode at home. I can't ride this one. I can't do that one. And she did for a start. And then we bought her a pony that knew everything. And so we used to nickname Beck the show pony because <laughs> we had to have the horse that, that went and did it. But at the, having said that, they all had fresh broken in horses. They would all trot through things when others were galloping full ball because they knew that if they pushed the horse harder than it was able to go, they weren't accomplishing anything. I always drilled it into my kids, you know, it's not about winning, it's about getting that horse going and being a good horse person. That, that's what it was about. Mm. Because, you know, they've grown up and everything. And Ben, ben is a dad, he's a little Dave Kogel on a horse and, and he's, he's gifted. I mean, it didn't matter if he picked up a golf club, he could play golf. If he picked up a tool cue, he could play pearl and he could ride balls, we know that. And then when he started on his horses and everything, you know, like he went through stages like everyone does. He's getting that love for it now. Like he's getting to that age where he's starting to slow everything down and get to understand the horse. He's getting more patient, you know, and that comes with age and he's starting to understand it. And and when you said teaching your kids, I I don't think there's any parent that's ever been able to teach their kids. What we do is tip a toe around on eggshells and we bring up little tidbits of conversation <laughs> every now and then and make it look like it may be their idea. And then one day they'll turn around and say, oh, guess what I just worked out. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, well, that's good. I thought I said something like that 10 years ago. But anyway, we'll, we'll go with it because you worked it out. <laughs> And, and I was obviously the same. My dad used to say the same to me. You know, I'd come home from where I was mustering. And, of course, I had old Alex Smith and Jim McGee and Chilicini. They used to go up there. And, and, I mean, I had all this knowledge, you know, that was, wasn't dad telling me. It was someone else. But at the end of the day, now that I'm older, it was dad's disciplinary things, you know. Like, they used to want us up to do at pony club events, and we rode. Every afternoon, he, he would make sure of that because we didn't go out afterwards. And he would line us up and he would make us stand our ponies. Like, they, they had to stand. He was there with the whip and, and they stood. Now, we used to be shit scared of Dad, but he never hit us. But just because he was that sort of person that we respected. And when we go out, our horses would stand there while the others were running backwards and rearing and everything. And, I mean, we were halfway down the bloody Bandon race course before the others even started. We had that advantage. And, and it's only in my recent years that I'm understanding that we were able to do it because my dad could read the horses. And, and then that's when it comes into play, you know, with age. Like I said earlier, your love for the horse, you know, it's just obvious. 
And hence the reason you make it look easy every time you go out there. And like you say, you don't always win. And that's my downfall. (laughs) (laughs) Someone said to me once, you know why you don't get the points? And I said, why? And they said, because you make it look too easy. (laughs) And I just laughed and I thought, but you know what? I walked away really proud. Yeah. Because I thought, that's what it's about. Like, no, my horses are not stressed. I don't have to fix any problems when I go back home. No. If I do it correctly, that horse is staying there in that position. You know what I mean? And yeah. And my horses, they love me. I get people to come pick up the breakers or come to look at them when I've got them at home, and they'll come up and they say, oh, hello, darling, how are you, blah, blah, blah. And... I'll say something and the horse will just walk straight over and put its head on me. Yep. Sometimes the owners can get really upset about that. And I said, oh, it's all right. It's just used to me. <laughs> Once you get home, it'll get used to you again. But you know what I mean? Like there's just that. Um, yeah. You know yourself, some people, pay, they don't say much, but you feel comfortable in their presence. Yep. And you don't have to be talking in their presence, but you're just comfortable there. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same, but. No, I'm I'm proud of all my children, and rightfully so. And and you know, just the bit I see, it looks like you'll have some fairly some grandchildren who'll be fairly good horse people too. And again, because they they're taught, you know, it's about time and it's about patience and it's about respect for the horse and and people. And and I think it it comes through in in spades in the end. Yeah, I think I really think that you know, there's so much competitiveness and everything out there now too that sometimes. It draws people away from what's really important. Yeah, well, it brings the worst out in people, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, and I mean, and, and that's a really, really hard thing because I keep saying to my three kids to this day, it doesn't matter. So long as you can walk away from an event feeling that you've done well, your horse has done well, I said, don't listen to scores, that's going to kill you. Don't listen to points, don't listen to scores. Just go there, do your job. And, and ride your horse how you set out to ride your horse. In this day and age, Kay, it's really, really hard to keep your mind focused on that when you've got old Joe Blow over there saying, oh, you should do this or you should do that, or, you know, especially for young people. Oh, because absolutely. young people growing up are so, so easily influenced, you know, and, and here's old mate over here that's won all this stuff because he's got good horses um, and he's been able to buy good horses. And I'm not saying anything because he might buy good horses, but he's still got to be able to ride those horses, so hats off to him. But, you know, those people that can get a horse going and breed a horse and get a horse going and bring it along nice and slow and still have it when it's 10, 20 years old, they're they're your horse people. That's right. And they're there for, for a reason, you know. I always say there's plenty of champions sitting on the top rail and a lot of them sit there for a reason. That's why they're on the top rail and not on a horse. It all looks easy from the top rail. And like you say, unfortunately now, if you've got the money, you can buy a good horse. That doesn't necessarily make you a good horseman and plenty of money has been spent on good horses that are no longer good horses after some horsemen have had them. Mm. Oh, what do they say? Horses for courses? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I think it's just got so in our day and age now too, and um, there's so much happening, so much going on, and uh, there's so many different opportunities now for people 
you know, like even in the horse industry, the challenges and then all the incentives and all the young horse futurities and people are going into these futurities and I'm thinking, <laughs> what's going to happen to this horse when it's five-year-old or six-year-old? Is it still going to be a horse? You know, and that's just the industry and it's up to the individual. I mean, you can take whichever path you want. It's up to the individual to stay grounded and oh, stay right. focused and work out what's important to them. You know, and, and I've chosen my way because it's important to me. Mm, no, uh, again, it comes back to, um, yeah, what, what is important to you. And, and I think, again, it comes back to what I've said a number of times during the interview is your love for the animal versus your love for the sport. And there, there's a big difference. So, hey, like when we were brought up, you know, once again, it comes back to Dad. We started off, Dad was into shows. He had show jumpers. You know, and, and all us kids went through and we went to state level with our show jumping. We all won medals at state level in show jumping and that. And that was before we even knew what camp drafting was. And we did pain club and we did shows. And we learnt from a young age that anything to do with horses and sports, I mean, it, it's a big equaliser. You know, you go from the penthouse to the sit house pretty quick. You do. Regardless of what you're doing sort of thing, you know. I know even with my horse breaking and that, I was talking to someone actually that's talking about starting up and and I said, well, I said, I don't know whether you have to have a hide like a rhino, I said, but you'll do 20 horses and you might get 19 criticisms, but there'll be that one that, that is really happy. And I said, it's that one that keeps you going. Yep. And, you know, it's the same in any industry. You know, you've got to be able to take, the ups with the downs in anything that you do and it's that picking yourself back up that makes you a stronger person each time you know I've always been taught you've got to and I say to the people with horses how many people kick that horse in the guts because they think it's going to make a mistake you've got to allow the horse to make the mistake for the horse to understand that okay I probably shouldn't have done that you know it's the same with with your kids, with anything, you know, I've let my kids go through life. I've watched them fall over and, you know, I said, well, you better get back up and getting back to Dad, you know, the same thing when we were kids. We'd be going down to the yards, which was cattle yards, which is about 2K away from the house. I could get thrown off my horse six times. Dad would just stop and say, get back on. So you'd have to dig your toes into the kneecaps, your knee into the booty and booty, you know, your stirrup on. And climb on and then yep. shy at the next green leaf and you'd be off again and you'd have to do the same thing, you know. But that's, that's how we learn. You, you did it yourself, you know. Coming on first, that can help you match yourself, yeah. Yep. Karen, we've had a great chat and uh, I think, you know, you could have got so much knowledge to impart to people and... Uh, we look forward to seeing you back at the next event and sharing your knowledge and, and maybe picking up a blue ribbon one day soon. We'll talk to you then. See you, hi. Thanks, Kay. Bye. From the Saddle is brought to you by Hewitt Consulting and Communications, specialising in rural business and marketing design. Find them on Facebook and Instagram.